that it's Christmas Eve. I wondered, by contrast, why do you and I love Jesus? Why do we celebrate his birth? What is the draw? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Egad, it's Christmas Eve. At least that's what our service is that you're about to hear. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a special service for you in this podcast because, no, it's not the full service, but it is the readings and the homily. And uh, I hope that you don't mind listening to the readings that we have. The final reading is the kickoff to the homily. So don't skip all the readings, or you just might, you know, miss, you know, where the homily's going. Um, It's called The Draw, and uh, our several lectors, I won't uh, take the time to list all of them to you, Um, but I hope you are blessed by this podcast, and I'll see you on the other side. This is the Redheaded Preacher. Our first reading is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, a prophecy of the coming Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This ends the reading from Isaiah. First Gospel reading for Christmas Eve, Luke 1, 26-38. The Annunciation. In the sixth month of Angel, Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting might this be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Here ends the first reading from Luke. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the power from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he has made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. Here ends the reading from Luke 1, chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, 
for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This ends the reading from Matthew chapter 1. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He was to, went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Here ends the reading from Luke. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angel had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Here ends the reading from Luke chapter 2. A non-traditional reading for Christmas Eve, one that gives a different perspective on the birth of Jesus by Mary. This is part of the visions of St. John, found in the Revelation to John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. A great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pangs, in the agony of giving birth. Then another portent appeared in heaven, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven 
and there threw them to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was snatched away and taken to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, so that there she can be nourished for 1,260 days. Here ends the readings for Christmas Eve. I imagine that this is the first time you've ever heard the lesson from Revelation 12 on Christmas Eve. After hearing Roy read it, you may have asked yourself, why on earth did Pastor Lanford pick that? Well, the real first reason I looked for and chose it is because it gives us a very celestial vision of the mother of Jesus. We hear Mary honored and sung about this time of year, and for good reason. We know her nobility stretches to the end of her life, following Jesus to the bitter end, and then as a witness to the resurrection. Tradition has it she died in Ephesus, living in the home of the Apostle John. It's also amazing, this vision in Revelation. It's also amazing given the low status of women there and then. Take this in. A great portent appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and crying out with birth pangs in the agony of giving birth. I saw this as a, a biblical homage and celestial reinterpreting of Mary. How cool is this image of a humble Jewish girl who had risked so much to surrender to the purposes of God? How fantastic to read how another first century disciple saw Mary giving birth to Jesus in such an elevated vision. We even see the juxtaposition of her heavenly image, 12 stars in this crown, along with her also crying out in giving birth, in the agony of giving birth. Celestial marvel, but suffering like any mom in childbirth. I was really struck with this different vision of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I was also struck with, but not surprised by, because I know the next part of the story, the plan of the great dragon attempting to devour the child. There was hatred for Jesus as soon as he was born. This dragon did not want to join the shepherds in the Bethlehem visit, if you could change dimensions, but more like Herod wanted instead to wipe out this one, quote, who is to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Thinking about this, and that it's Christmas Eve, I wondered, by contrast, why do you and I love Jesus? Why do we celebrate his birth? What is the draw? 
We know why the shepherds came. The angels told them, go to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. I think I got that mixed up. We know why the, why the shepherds came. We know them why the magi came. They had done their scholastic astron astronomical studying. Star in the sky means something of historic portent was going on. Why are we tuning in? Why would we, would we, we'd like to be here in this sanctuary at this time were it not for COVID? Why? In 21st century Western civilization, honoring and following Jesus is not exactly popular. Some Sunday school kids get asked by friends, why do you go to church? Some adults may feel peer pressured to keep their faith to themselves and not be open about it, to avoid disdain, criticism, argument, or worse. Maybe this is especially true in metro areas. So what's the draw? Why is celebrating Jesus born of Mary important to us, even life-changing? Because we know there are still some that would just as soon mock those who take Christ seriously as Son of God, Lord, Savior, Prince of Peace. Wouldn't it be easier to forget about this night? Not make the effort to be here? Even when that is for us, if it's not right at 7 p.m.? Answers to my question could be as broad and as deep as the number of persons worshiping tonight or later. Since I cannot read minds and tell you what everyone else is thinking, let me share some thoughts about this with you. One reason I think many persons are drawn to the story of Jesus' birth is the belief that in him we find God is with us. As Matthew interpreted Joseph's dream with Gabriel, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God being present with us, sinful, fallible us, is a priceless gift. Priceless. Believing God does not abandon us, but is alongside somehow when we are going through the hardest of times is how a lot of us make it through those hardest of times. It can be the strength behind nurses and doctors who go beyond their physical limits to minister to others in hospitals and clinics during COVID. God is with me. That gives them the strength they need. It can be the hope that prevents someone from deciding life is no longer living. But God is with me. It can also be the comfort during tremendous grief and loss. God is with me. I am not alone. For me as a preacher and as a Christian, the belief in the enduring presence of God is foundational. A lot of us are drawn to the story of the nativity because this message, Emmanuel, is core to them too. A lot of us are drawn and we want to hear that again and be reminded 
We believe in the steadfast presence of God, primarily, perhaps, because of Jesus, born of Mary, walking in human footsteps. God's not a stranger. Some might be drawn by the inclusion of the shepherds. The shepherds were outsiders, uneducated, unclean, both in terms of ceremoniously with their Judaism and unclean physically. And they were not trusted. You know, as persons, you would not accept them as witnesses for a trial. They were low, low on the totem pole of society. But they were the first ones told by the angels of God. That says something about God. Something welcoming, something like God thumbing God's nose at those who make the rules about who's supposed to be in the in-group. God was Emmanuel for them, too. Is this your draw? Some love the arrival of the Magi for the same basic reason of inclusion and welcome of the strangers to the bedside of the babe. Jesus, God with us, is for everyone. Some are attracted to the Christian message, excuse me, the Christmas message, and the Christian message. But some are attracted to Bethlehem because the birth of Jesus brings the life and mission of Mary's Magnificat, brings life to it. The Mighty One has done great things for me, Mary sang to Elizabeth. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The coming of Jesus means the start of a great reversal, which actually the whole Gospel of Luke is about things being turned upside down. But it means the start of a great reversal, and not just in his earthly life, Jesus' earthly life, long ended, but over time in his name. And through the power of the Spirit, the coming of Jesus means that those who have been pushed down by the haughty and powerful will get, those who have been pushed down will get lifted up. And those who profited from oppressing others or who just enjoy being sadistic will discover what karma is. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus taught that the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Methinks those who are on the bottom of this reversal align with the great dragon we met in Revelation 12. The Magnificat lets you and me know that the arrival of Jesus signals the arrival of the kingdom of God where justice matters. An unfair status quo will not forever stand. The birth of Jesus is a great draw for those who seek nonviolent inspiration, guidance, and meaning in working for shalom, past, present, and yet to unfold. What's your draw? Some are drawn to Jesus and his birth because it is the incarnation. It is the mystery of God somehow being part of the human 
family through God the Son. It is the start of God's solidarity with humankind. Because of Jesus, I believe God knows what it is like to grieve the death of a parent and of a child. The chaos of family life, the disappointment with friends, the brutal suffering of what he endured in Holy Week and somehow death, the incarnation, the word was made flesh and lived among us. Is this your draw? And let us not forget that lots of us are drawn to the birth of Jesus because in his suffering and death on Calvary, he takes on the sin of the world, including our own, and it is forgiven. Here is not only love, but profound agape love. Jesus was born to die for us. As Bonhoeffer loved to write, Jesus was the man for others. That opens the way to his resurrection and our hope of eternal life. Is this our draw to his birth? For me, coupled with that draw, is that God chose to do this. God sought us out and still seeks us out to bring us back. Knowing full well what would happen to Jesus, how haters would kill not only him, but his followers. Despite knowing all this, Jesus was born to give all humankind the chance to choose love, to choose transformation, to choose peace, fairness, and servanthood. I love that this incarnation this Emmanuel and more is all God's initiative. Or as my former Cook County preacher from Division 10 used to say, it's all God, man. So, yes, sometimes people who love Jesus and follow him end up making adversaries of those who prefer the silence of complicity with wickedness. Those who prefer the silence of no one sharing their faith. Those who prefer the silence of no one obeying an independent authority, higher authority called Christ. None of that. When Christians do break that silence, the dragon comes out. But we also come out we also come up. We show up. We show up. We, that's who we are. That's who we are. We are drawn to the manger and beyond, beyond the motives of cultural Christianity, we are drawn because here at the manger, over the centuries, we are not alone. We meet others here who find the same comfort, the same love and hope and purpose and salvation that we do. Yet we may all come for some different reasons. Presuming that no haters like the great dragon are tuning in, have I touched on why you do? 
Are there other things coaxing you to Bethlehem? Pray tell, what's the draw for you? Because Jesus Christ is born. Amen. I wonder what the answer to the question for you is. What's your draw? I know I didn't list all the possible answers to that. Um, and you might have an answer that's really not quite covered. But that's the, that's kind of the idea. I like my homilies and sermons to, if I can get people to think, uh, that's a compliment. And so I thank you for tuning in and for listening. And there will be a brief podcast for December 27th. We're not having a service because the with a quick turnaround on the weekend, the people that have been putting together the services on, um, on YouTube and pre-recording them, it's too quick a turnaround and we're all burned out. But I will be recording for and putting up on YouTube a brief meditation to go with um, the scripture of Luke 2, 22 to 40. So if you'd like to tune in, that'd be great, because uh, that's our next one. That's for Sunday, December 27th, the first Sunday after Christmas. God bless you, and God bless your week and your celebration of Christ's birth.